two, and one. All right, what is up, everybody? Welcome to the Of Like Minds video podcast. Today, I have a super special guest today, my good friend, Ken from Guanups. Ken, thank you so much for coming on today and giving us your time. Thank you for having me. Uh, Ken, just first and foremost, I want to share with the audience how I my first um, how I first knew you and met you, and you probably recall it was at Culture Shock Dance Studio, and it was I think summer of 2018, and I was taking a bunch of classes, and I remember always just seeing seeing someone. I was just like, "Who is this bitch?" with red shorts short red shorts short black shorts killing it every time in class and I was so mad I was like who is this person how come I don't know this person like why are they so good and funny enough later on after that summer um I eventually met you at auditions officially on going ups um but I always saw something in you and um, yeah, I just remember like, that was just so memorable seeing you in class and seeing you fuck it up. And it's like, look at this bitch. But I never, I never let you know that though. I was always like- from I know, I, like, <laughs> I, I could see that. You're pretty distant for, for a long time. Yeah, uh-huh. And it's funny cause obviously, you know, during gen two of Going Ups, the dance company that, that Ken and I both dance on, um, it was cool to like, to get to know you and to really connect and to really just like share laughs and be like, damn, like why were they such an asshole to this guy? Like so distant, like how everything is the way we are now. So it's just cool for everything to come full circle and to just like, for you to just be on the, be on the podcast. And it's just like, it's so wild to me and I'm just happy. <laughs> uh, but anyway, after that little spiel, just how are you doing today? How are you doing today in this crazy world that we live in right now? I, I am. I'm honestly doing better than a lot of people would be in this in this very trying time. Um, I'm working from home, so I'm very privileged, uh, very fortunate for that opportunity. Uh, I have a loving partner and a beautiful dog who's sleeping right behind us right now. What's the name? Blade. Blade, badass. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah no i'm um uh, yeah it's been a roller coaster of a year um a lot of people have been experiencing different unique ways of experiencing this year um mm. but mine has so far been kind of enriching and fulfilling but also very traumatic at the same time um so it, yeah so it's been a a juggling of both yeah. Wow. I mean, you talked about working from home and I know that's an adjustment in itself. I know a lot of people are going through that. And mm -hmm. if you could just speak about what that adjustment was like in the beginning of quarantine and now having, I guess, getting a little more familiar, what's it been like for you just working from home and that adjustment? Mm. Well, to be really honest, um, not so right before the pandemic, um, I was still unemployed. Uh, I was transitioning from being an international student into uh, actually getting my green card mm -hmm. over here. So I was pretty, uh, during that time period, I was uh, jobless. So I was scouring for a lot of jobs. Um, 
looking for small gigs here and there um, just to pay off some bills um, and yeah, so to pay off small bills. But um, before that I was working in office um, in Sorrento Valley PlayStation. And that's why I, I got a pretty good insight on, on what uh, being a full-time employee there would be like, or just in any office setting. Um, so transitioning from that to being scouring for jobs and then now to working from home is a very uh, drastic shift for me. Um, yeah, but I, I'm 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 lucky that I'm very privileged that I even have that opportunity and that my work from home situation is is in a good uh, I'm in a good space where I I can actually do work from home, whereas a lot of people may not have that access to that kind of environment at home. So yeah, um, I think my transition into work from home has been pretty roller coastery, but yeah. for the most part, I, I, I'm I'm very privileged and honored to be even even be working at home. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and I think too, just, I mean, you talked about having worked at PlayStation before and I guess maybe, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but are, are you at another company right now? Or are you, are you you're more, you're, you're, I know you're doing a lot of freelance work and you're doing a lot of work for yourself too. So, I mean, even that contrast of working for someone else and then like, you know, now a lot of your time is now working for yourself. Maybe you can just talk about that dynamic and differences, pros and cons. Mm -hmm your experience in that? Um, I think one thing, like the transition between PlayStation and the company I work right now, which is Buck, um, the office in LA, and they do uh, des design creative uh, solutions for big companies like Apple. But I, I think my biggest, um, the biggest differences between between that time where I was actually just freelancing and doing small commissions and gigs for other people versus what I'm doing right now is um, having having a safety net and a network you can um, rely on pulling out more jobs um, when you're actually freelancing. That's really hard if you just came out of uh, a, a job and right before that job you just came out of college where you you don't have a lot of connections so um being able to transition from that to where i work now which who ha which has established um connections with companies so i don't really have to worry about building up these networks um yeah um but and, and that's something i i'm i'm considering doing in the future if I ever want to freelance I, I would have to build up all these networks and mutual connections before I even um, even think about uh, freelancing and working for myself um, but whereas right now I feel a little bit more comfortable where I have a safety net I know I know what to work on uh, and my company has big clients that are pretty reliable. So mm. whatever's coming, income is pretty secure right now. But as a freelancer, 
um, especially if you just came out of college and out of your first job, that's that's very risky, uh, unless you have already a set of, of people to work for, mm. if that makes sense, yeah. If, if you can just talk a little bit about, was PlayStation the first, um, the first like grown-up job you had in terms of out of out of college or what was that journey like? Yeah, um, PlayStation was, this, is, this might piss people off, but it was, it was, <laughs> a, it was a back burner of all the other jobs that I even, I, I aspired to work at. Um, it was that one job you saw on LinkedIn um, and you tossed your resume and just crossed your fingers and hope they actually saw your resume and they did and they liked me. So they asked to relocate me to San Diego and I was really happy about that. Mm. Um, but what I didn't do and what I usually don't do, which <laughs> I, I would advise people to do is do their research right, <laughs> on um, actually the working environment and um, in particular where you'd be working and corporate businesses, uh, small businesses are different than large corporates like PlayStation, mm -hmm. where we have different factions and departments. So looking into those departments even more is very important. Um, but yeah, I, I went on a whim. Um, <laughs> I said, you know, I, I've always wanted to go to California. Uh, I visited once uh, during my sophomore year. I loved I loved LA. I loved the environment. Um, so I said, yeah, and San Diego's a really cool place to also dance. Um, mm. So yeah, I, I said, I'll just take a whim. The pay's really good. Um, mm. And yeah, but for the most part, um, I didn't enjoy my time. And it, it was just because I felt like my my capability of creatively growing as it to grow as a designer uh, was pretty stagnant when I was working there, um, and I look forward to dancing every day just so I can get out of that um, situation or my office from time yeah. to time. Um, and it was pretty convenient because the office was like 15 minutes away from Studio FX. <laughs> so yeah, it, it was it was it was good for the most part. Um until I, I I hit a point where I felt like I was just doing um someone's dirty work. Uh mm. yeah. But uh, I think during the transition between um because I was an international student transitioning mm -hmm. into my green card. Um, so I was left jobless. I was like, this is this is a really great opportunity to um, expand my horizons a bit in, in terms of where I, I, I want to be in my career. And so I, I reached out to a lot of companies that I've looked up to in college. Um, and Buck was one of them. And luckily enough, uh, the my head of design uh, in the team that I'm working in uh, contacted me back 
and said, hey, we'd love, we'd love to interview you. Your work is amazing. And yeah, no, I, I, I got, I initiated the internship to a full time. So I was on an internship uh, road the full time. So I was like, well, I might as well do it. This is like a company that I've been looking up to it, um, looking up to for many years. So yeah, I, I just decided that this would be an, a very next big step for my career. Um, well, if you can talk a little bit about that, Ken, just you talking about your current, you know, the, the director that you kind of work with now, obviously during the, the job vetting process when they're reaching out to you. And I mean, what does that do for you mentally when you hear before you even have the job that like, hey, I like you, your work is amazing, let's set it up. Like, I mean, that's gotta do, I can only imagine that's gotta do wonders in terms of your confidence and you feeling really strongly about the company just vibe. I mean, what did that do for you mentally going into that job and that interview? Yeah, no, it, it definitely boosted my, um, it validated a lot of um, my insecure, invalidate my insecurities um i had a, i had about my work um because i had all these expectations of myself uh and i wanted and i wanted to be a part of something like buck um for a long time and it was it just was not it wasn't hitting until uh they actually reached out to me but then i i I'm thinking now, um, I feel like there's there's a level of validity that, um, I'm trying to reword this, but I feel like you should come to an understanding of your own worth as, as whatever profession that you're going into, but also keeping in mind that companies and businesses will hire you because they think you can fulfill the job and be efficient um, and proactive at it. So I think understanding that if one company doesn't, uh, doesn't hire you, doesn't necessarily mean that they hate you or that uh, your skill sets or your um, as a designer, that's your, you, you're not valued in the team. Um, it's just that it's, it's right time and right place. Um, if they need you um, as a designer in their company, then um, they'll have a position for you. But if they don't need one, then there are other, other companies that are looking for your assets. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. I mean, I just remember you just talking in between rehearsals and kind of seeing you go through this journey um, as we make our way from one space or one job to the next. And I mean, you know, now kind of looking back at it, I mean, you've, I think you've, you've dealt with a lot. Um, I mean, just even in the job sense and even just, you know, creating a life, you know, here in the States. Um, and I don't know if that's something that you're even comfortable with talking about, but just I can only imagine that there's a lot of people that are also going through that. And whenever you feel comfortable in sharing, Ken, just 
I mean, just, I mean, I remember the day that I found out and when you had told me that you had gotten your green card, it was just like, because I remember we were talking about, you didn't know if you were going to be able to come back for another year and going up. Mm-hmm. And I just remember being so sad. I remember we were at, we were at Vallarta's, I think. I don't know if you remember this, but um, remember us really having a hard heart and just being like, man, like, I need to cherish every moment. And um, obviously it worked out. And I don't know if you can maybe just take us through you know, going back a little bit, but what was that even? What was that process even like? That's something I haven't had to deal with, and so if mm. you feel comfortable in sharing with the audience and with me, mm. love yeah, to hear. yeah, no problem. Um, it's a very lengthy process uh, immigrating uh, uh, from other countries to America. Um, I don't. I can only speak from from my experience, mm. and I, I think my experience is very common. Um, but you, other people um, with different backgrounds may not have experienced uh, what I've had. Um, so experiences vary, but what, how my process, how I started uh, was I was an international student. Um, I grew up in Taiwan. Um, I've always wanted to come to the U.S. because uh, I just wanted somewhere somewhere away from uh my home my hometown my home country um and i was able to um actually enroll into a college here in the united states uh it was in rhode island uh RISD, one of a very prestigious art school but i graduated um, and for international students, after you graduate, you have a one-year grace period. I wouldn't say a grace period. It, it's, a, it's called OPT, and it's basically a program where you can um, work. Uh, you can work full-time for 40 hours a week for a full year. And within that time, you're just gaining that experience and whatever, whatever is after that is really up to you. And that's where, that's, that's when I was uh, mentally breaking down <laughs> at Viridas with you. I was talking about how like, I, I probably won't have, won't find a way to like actually stay here. And I've just, um, I've just gotten to know you and Grown Ups, and I've made San Diego my home for now. And I just don't want, I didn't want to lose that. Um, mm-hmm. Luckily for me, I, I, was, I was seeing Daniel at the time. Um, I was very, yeah, I'm, I think I was very privileged in actually getting to meet him. Um, and we started dating. Um, and we said, you know, uh, we, if we love each other, then let's just get married and let's just apply for a green card um, so we can live the rest of our lives, uh, not not fearing for deportation or any immigration issue. Mm. And so we did mm. that. Um, but there's, there's always, money's always like an issue um to actually apply for the green card is not bad but applying by yourself is 
is is very risky like that's yeah so we i didn't want to risk it so i had to i <laughs> i had to hire a lawyer um oh. and that was such a that was a huge chunk of my playstation money that <laughs> I didn't even pay much so yeah. um yeah that was a really hefty process and it took a toll on my mental health mm. and on daniel's um mm. but uh, i stuck with it and pulled through and now we have the green card and now we are here mm. yeah. And I just want to say to the audience who, you know, isn't able to visualize this or whatever platform you're listening to this to, I mean, I was there when you, when you guys had the ceremony and it was a beautiful day and it was a small group of us in England. This is obviously pre-COVID and uh, I just remember it being just a beautiful day and us taking pictures and it just, it, it felt, it felt amazing and it, it felt, I mean, it's so crazy how I feel like as dancers, we are so much more aware of like body language and like you can feel when someone's tense and just I remember that day just seeing like you can see that proverbial like that weight off your shoulders like it was just another like right. okay an another 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 part of the mountain you had climbed mm -hmm. you were just like on a nice little like flat patch of you know rock for a little bit and it was just it was really great to witness that and to have seen that and to see like where you are today and so I mean I mean that process like again I can't stress enough how I really don't know how you did that shit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know if you could speak to this, but like even before, even before I got married and had uh, went into the process of getting my green card, I think it was around body rock where I was actually like, this is, we have body rock and I have to leave the country. I have two months to leave the country during body rock. Uh, or else I would actually get deported. And that yeah. was that was a huge anxiety. And Grown Ups was kind of this like solace, this sanctuary where I, I, I could just leave that alone. And right after it, I would, I would drop back into my anxiety. And I, I remember I remember talking to more Michelle about it. I was like, damn, I, I'm like, this is gonna be the last thing I ever do here in Grown Ups, and I, I'm never gonna see you guys. <laughs> and yeah, no, I. And then to see that and like um, where I am right now mm. is yeah, is it, it's been a really rough journey for me at least. So I don't know if you can speak to that, but yeah, no, I, I definitely agree that there's. There's definitely a, a relief uh, of like a unburdening of the shoulders of weight on my shoulders. So yeah. No, and okay. you know, and that's and that and that's the thing too. It's even just noticing and seeing those things from afar, and you know, you're not one to bother anyone about what you're going through. And it was just something that you can always you can always feel it. And obviously, having connected with you on those on those things that you were dealing with outside of the rehearsal space really just put, you know, a different perspective on like, you know what, like there's no excuse why I can't be mentally completely focused when I know there's someone right next to me who's going through so much shit that I'm not even having to deal with. And so, um, you know, in a strange way, you know, hindsight is 2020, but it, it, it was also like, I, I, there's no way I can't do anything less than my best, knowing that you were 
you're harboring a lot more weight. And so one, I just want to say thank you for even just sharing that because that's that's a shit ton of <laughs> the things. And and this is all pre-COVID too, which is the crazy thing. It's like <laughs> right. it's like people have their years, right? People people have that one year that everything just like plummets and goes down. Like 2019 was that year. So mm. but I mean COVID is COVID is a <laughs> pandemic. So yeah, no, it's it's been it's been rough. Um, it's been a rough time, but I'm, I'm still sticking through it. But we're still in this traumatic experience called COVID. So we'll, well see that I'll, one through as well. Absolutely. And, and I did want to pick your brain a little bit on that too, just because I feel like this year has, um, I think it's actually been, it's, it's been really shining a light on a, on a lot of darkness, which has actually been good. Obviously, you know, with the, the casualties and the fatalities and, you know, the way we've gone about it, largely due to our, you know, our, our so-and-so leaders um, has probably put us in this and elongated this process, but um, it's also allowed to shine the, like I said, the light on the, on all the darkness. And I just want to know in terms of like how you've, if you can look back in terms of when it really took an effect here in our part in the U.S. Uh, in San Diego, maybe how you've, how you've grown and how you've adapted over the course of these last eight months. What's that journey been like for you, that microcosm of since March, since the shutdowns up until this point, what's that journey been like for you just adjusting to COVID? Um, I think I've learned a lot about during my time between March and now, um, where I started working from home um, has been a really good time for me to realign my priorities. Um, so I've I've this design thing that I I I went to school for, and then I have dance, um, and so it was it was a good time for me to um, kind of talk to myself about what's what's the best action moving forward which which direction is the best for me moving forward and i i still to this day have um my conflict on whether or not i should keep dancing or design um or do both or do design and do dance on the sideline um, that's been a huge thing for me and, and COVID, um, I would say this pandemic, uh, has really helped me realign those priorities. Um, and, and in terms of priority right now, my, my work in design, I, I've just started and I, I want to continue growing as a designer. Um, and, and that's not to say that dance is a distraction. Um, I, I love dancing. Uh, I love the communal aspect of dancing and sharing spaces together. Um, and how we just meet on Fridays, or sorry, Mondays and Thursdays and <laughs> the ass crack of dawn. Um, <laughs> 
just dancing, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and I love that aspect about it, but I think moving forward, there has to be sacrifices um, made um, and priorities given more time to certain directions in your life, you know? Um, and I'm not saying I just want to completely like shut dance out. I just feel like this time is very, um, people are very vulnerable. Um, COVID is still a thing and it doesn't make sense for me to um, go out of my way to do this one thing, but I also have another priority here at home um, where I'm working. So um, for me, work right now or my career in design is a little bit on the higher end of my priority list than dance is. So yeah, I think COVID has, has helped me realign those priorities. Mm, absolutely. And I think there's nothing wrong with getting your priorities, you know, really, truly strained out. I think even mm -hmm. to, to myself, I definitely had the blinders on um, for a long time, doing, doing it full time in terms of dancing and teaching. And, you know, when COVID happened and seeing everything taken away from you like that made it be like, okay, you need to remember that like you can lose everything at any given point. Like I need to make sure that I have assets that, you know, I can always, you know, do something that I love um, to what degree I don't know. Um, I, I want to say to the audience too, is um, I have the highest regard for you, Ken, in terms of just, you know, movement and dance and just, um, just even just being like a great person uh, in those shared spaces. I really, really, really always felt that from day one, I was definitely distant because I was like, who is this? I'm like, you know, yeah, yeah. I saw your face at auditions. <laughs> I, I remember, I remember um, doing like a small eighty percent mark, and then I almost hit you. You were against the wall, right? You were sitting down. I almost hit you, and you just just gave me a, a really swear. huge swear. death stare. I was like, okay, well, I'll see you in going up. <laughs> That's so. I actually don't remember that. That's hilarious. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I do want to say, Ken, you know, the audience is probably wondering, and I think it's important to, you know, get to the root and the foundation of things. Mm -hmm. Even to this day, um, we'll start with dance first, because that's how you and I met through those shared spaces of class. But if you can just talk about how you, one, got introduced to dance, and two, how you even just started in dance. Like, how did that even start? I feel like that's, for us that are older, it's like, it's, you almost like, such a long time ago like so what was that what was that like for you like how did you even get into it well i think started i think it started off with my sister actually so she was we were both in we moved to canada um and i was about nine ten years old she took hip hop classes in the next door studio and I was very unfit at the time. Um, so my mom enrolled me into the same hip hop classes uh, taught by the same teacher, um, but off, obviously different grade levels. Um, not really into it. I was, yeah, no, I was really, I, I was, 
not to like both, but who was kind of a little bit naturally gifted um, mm. in terms of rhythm um, yeah. than my than my peers. Um, mm. It was pretty natural for me, so I kept with it um, until I moved to Taiwan, where high school and applying for colleges was a thing, and mm. I put it in back burner for a little while. Then I came to the States where um, I joined a dance team. I wouldn't say it's a dance team. I would say it's a dance company. It's, uh, they, yeah, we call ourselves Impulse, Impulse Dance Company. And we do mostly exhibition shows for our school. Um, yeah, and, and, and that's where it really, uh, at a tipping point I was like this is this is exciting like I can I can share a space with a bunch of people we can mm -hmm. rehearse a bunch we can make routines up and then we can perform it to a bunch of people that that excited me very much um, mm -hmm. so then I moved to San Diego with the expectation mm -hmm. that I would continue this um, my my hobby of dancing um, mm -hmm. Since I, I I had a couple friends from San Diego who told me about um, kind of the repertoire, the reputation of San Diego and their dance community, I was like, yes, I'm I'm in it. Um, it was mm -hmm. either here or San Francisco, and I was like, no, uh, I'll just <laughs> San Diego sounds better. Uh, mm -hmm. So on, I did that. I I moved here, and then the first person I met who was also a dancer was Jaris. Um, oh. Yeah. And what? we were in his coffee shop. And Amostra. Amostra? Amostra. And oh, he, he called me up because I, I don't know what, I think I was probably freestyling. I don't know. Music was on. You know how you like a little bops and here and there. Mm -hmm. So Jaris was like, you dance? I was like, yeah. And then he was like, yeah, you should audition for Grown Up Season 2. And he put his, like, information down. And the, Whoa. The, the so you met channel. when you were getting coffee. You met Jairus when you were getting coffee. Right. That's insane. Right. And then he was <laughs> like, just just audition. It's it's in two months. Uh, yeah, I'll see, you, I'll see you there. And it just went from there. And, yeah. And now we're here. Shout out to Jairus for me. Shout out to Jairus. <laughs> what? That's crazy. Oh my God. Wow. What? I mean, and, and you kind of touched up on a little bit too, and if you don't mind, but I mean, I think something that gets overlooked, and I think I feel even it's just going to get more difficult now. I mean, just, I mean, if you can just talk about growing up in, in the dance classroom, but you had talked about at the time when your mom enrolled you, you, you weren't as, as fit as she wanted, you know, like you to be. And so, I mean, I can only imagine that's like two things. One, just being just, you know, I mean, having the bot, like if you, if you are that type at the time and like being in a dance class, it's like, it's very physical. It's very active. There's a lot of cardio. Like, I mean, yeah. did you ever feel tension from other people? Did you ever feel judged? I mean, you know, kids are at that young age. Like, they're oh, brutal. All the time. I was I was a really big kid. Yeah. And um, I think my first recital, I, it hit me. Um, mm. uh, I started understanding subtle nuances. 
of how people looked at me, um, of big body people. <laughs> um, but it was my first recital and we had to go get costumes and none of the things that they required me to put on actually fit me. Um, so we were scouring the whole, yeah. the entire state of Columbia, British Columbia, oh of Vancouver, just to find these um, camo pants and like some dumb, I don't know. Um, but it was ridiculous. Like I, I didn't think I, I needed to like go all the way out just to find mm -hmm. a piece of fabric that, that would actually fit me. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah, even growing up in Taiwan where I took dance classes over there, um, I was pretty, I, I don't know, I, I felt like there was a lot of scrutiny and um, I, the monitoring of my body during these classes. Um, and on the other side, they would be kind of surprised to see that I could actually move. Um, which is very, which is daunting to me because like, why would you not expect someone of my size to move? Um, mm -hmm. What's your preconceived notion of someone of my body size? Um, yeah. So it was, it was, it was an adjustment for me. Um, but I, I, I just wanted to dance and take classes. But mm. I, I feared, feared people looking down at me. Um, so there, there was definitely a conflict. And even like between the time I moved to RISD, sorry, Rhode Island, where mm -hmm. I actually joined the company, um, I, didn't, I didn't dance for a while because a lot of people would just shrug me off and say, oh, this is fat, chubby kid who wants mm. to take class like he can't move right so yeah uh and i lost a lot of weight um starved myself it, it was not healthy but yeah. i i got back into shape uh, and i said hey i still love dancing so why not just audition for this one company right mm. um i did and i got in and i was really happy and I'd had really share, really great shared experiences with um, my college friends over there. So yeah, I mean, I, you kind of touched up a little bit on it, Ken. But I mean, especially nowadays, it's you know we're a little bit more aware of what we said, what we do, our actions. You know, like even smaller political statements. I think we're all just starting to really, as a, as, a, as, a, as a whole, be more aware. But I mean, during this time, um, it's, it's not as prevalent as it is now. And if you could just talk about like what ultimately was like the driving factor for you to deal with all that bullshit in those dance spaces in terms of being body shamed, in terms of being like looked down upon, belittled, being doubted, being shrugged off as you know, being ostracized, so many things. Like, what was what was that ultimate, like, throughout all this, I am still going to conquer and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get through this. Like, what was that 
what in you like <laughs> made you put up with that and, and deal with it and ultimately prosper? Yeah, no, um, I think for me, it was, it was understanding, it was understanding that my, my worth and my value is not intrinsic to how I look and how I, how I approach to people. Um, then that's, and my value is how I, is what I define um, and not what other people think about me. Um, and that's, that's hard, that's hard for me to understand because uh, at the same time you're being ostracized and bullied and all this stuff, um, but you're just out here trying to have fun, all right? Mm. So, um, but I had to stick with understanding that, um, and that took a while, um, but yeah. Until I until I understood my value um, as a person, as a as a dancer, um, then I could actually step into these spaces and be like, "Hey, I don't, I don't need to. I'm not doing any anything for you. Like my body is not any of your business, and mm. not it's not something you can just monitor." Um, and that when I come into these spaces, I, I'm, I'm literally just there to learn, right? To dance. Um, so what's, what's your, what's your motivation in taking these classes? Like, are you really here to take classes or are you really here to like show off and show your cool dance moves, you know? Mm -hmm. and, and that's something I've, I've noticed and, um, and learned a lot about the San Diego dance community. Some people will take it um, very, very image-based um, in that regard, um, but not really take take this time, take the class time as an opportunity to learn. Mm. Um, and that's something I've learned. But back to my body size, I. I I think, yeah, understanding that what other people think about me is not, should not reflect how I feel about myself, if that makes mm. sense. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think you just, you hit it on the head right there, Ken, but if you can just talk and, you know, share your opinions, and I share a lot of the same sentiments, I think, especially now that we are living in this social media crazed era mm -hmm. um things like art or art forms tend to be more about showing you what i can do rather than i need to pass this down to the next generation from what i learned and so if you can just talk about your experiences of 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 you know the good the bad and the ugly in terms of dance spaces or classes or workshops, whatever you experience. And just talk about the, 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 the difference in terms of feeling and, and what you're able to take away from something where you feel like the teacher has your best interests. And then from a teacher that only solely is trying to make sure that they're stepping up their clout and making sure their name gets bigger from every mm -hmm. class that they teach. If you can 
maybe share a little bit of your experience from both sectors. Yeah, um, I feel like as a critique to um, teachers I've I've enrolled classes with um, is that you're 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 here to teach, right? Um, so, so I think framing when when the when the students first come in, I think framing um, your intentions for teaching um, and outlining what your students are supposed to take away from these classes are really important as opposed mm -hmm. to coming into class and um, stretching, structuring your class based on your choreography. Choreography, then we take videos and select like groups, I think that's, um, I know that's, that kind of beats the purpose of us coming into class because your, your students paid to learn from you. So why don't you give them a little bit of your two cents, right? Instead mm -hmm. of just giving choreography um, in which they can just take and learn outside of studio. Like there's there's more there's more to these classes than just choreography. Um, on the student on the student side, I would say that keeping an open mind and um, being open to making mistakes because that's how we learn. Um, I think in in the age of social media, we're we're so used to seeing a lot of people kill it. Um, in these videos, where you don't see their the the progress and the process of getting to that place where they are, um, and these classes are again, it's also the teacher who needs to be taken account uh, yeah. for. Is that how how are they structuring these? Because like if you're if you're telling your students to come in and learn their choreography. Um, and then do select group at the end of the class, then you're setting the expectation that they need to get the choreography right. Mm. Um, as opposed to structuring your class to cater to your students and teaching more about dance rather than choreography. Um, and I, I, I don't know what that would look like, um, to be honest, because I'm, I'm, I'm just a student as well. Um, so I'm, I'm I'm talking in as a in the experience of a student, but mm -hmm. I think I think being open to failure um, and mistakes will help you to be really short <laughs> and easy. Mm -hmm. Help you succeed in the future. Um, but I also feel like um, being open to learn new things um, and not having a set expectation on, on, on what the choreographer is going to teach you is also important. Um, because in order to be a really good dancer, you need to be versatile. And just like any artist, you're grabbing uh, different styles, different genres of, of dance forms. Um, and you're helping yourself by diversifying your movement 
and your movement quality. And in turn, you're you're becoming more and more a versatile dancer. And that's how you that's how you come into class and not make those same mistakes you keep making after class after class. If that makes sense. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, first of all, just your words hold a lot of weight and you've been in the game for a long time. And so I appreciate you for sharing those words of wisdom, um, all of which I, I, I completely support and thank you for just <laughs> speaking those out loud. Um, we can't also ignore the fact, Ken, that I also want to dig and not only know the roots of, you know, how you started with dance, but also the other art form that's ultimately, you know, been this, you know, you found a real life and, and, and making a hell of a career out of it. So one, just how the hell did you even get into graphic design? And I mean, just kind of going back to those humble beginnings of, you know, just getting into it and what that was like. Mm -hmm. I like a lot of, a lot of designers um, I've met throughout my time. Um, I've never been academically academically astute. Like I was never a good student, um, but our class somehow was a was a really good sanctuary or was a really good um, space for me to zone out. Um, and but everything else um, aside. Just like how dance is to me, um, mm. our class was the same. And I just got very invested into it during high school. And I said, hey, you know, like this could be a this could be a career path. Um, and I started digging, um, looking into more uh, higher education that would actually help me get a career in the in the arts. Um, and uh, I was very fortunate enough to have uh, my mom was very liberal about academic and art issues. Um, mm -hmm. she, she, wanted to, she wanted me to enroll in any school as long as I'm getting a good education. Um, mm -hmm. But the, like, the set expectation um, in my household uh, was that you have to, if you're going to any field, you have to be in the best one, right? So you have to be in the best school. Um, and for me, that was that was an art school. And so yes. I, I looked up all the art schools in America and I also ventured into Europe, but it was not, that was not sticking <laughs> to me. Uh, I said, America's probably a good choice and RISD, Rodan School of Design, uh, pretty rigorous and talked to my art professor at the time and a couple of my other friends. And they were like, yeah, this is a very good, this is a very prestigious school known for its arts. So I was like, yeah, okay, let's just, let's just apply. Um, and and that's, that's where I got, that's where things like was a little edgy because again, back to, back to our conversation about another topic, I didn't do my research, right? <laughs> this is the thing, like you you really need to do your research um, when you're making big steps like these. Um, mm. And for me, RISD was not one of them. I said, America, 
good schools. I need to go. And that is it. And a part of a part of that decision came from kind of my family's expectation of like being being enrolled in like highly prestigious uh, um, institution like RISD. Mm -hmm. uh, RISD we call we call the schools the Harvard of art schools, and I, I just thought that was super pretentious, but um, I could <laughs> see why. It was a really, it, it was a really rigorous education. Um, very enlightening. I, I, I met very special people um, that I'm still very close with over there. Um, yeah. And not too long ago, I was, I was like, yeah, I'm initially, I came into school wanting to study illustration. Um, and being being at college exposes you to a lot of different opportunities. So um, I took a bunch of other classes outside of my department. I took mostly graphic design classes, workshops, mm. um, a bunch of stuff in order to make sure that I'm actually you know heading the right way and actually fulfilling my. Um, what I want to do in my career. Um, but around junior, senior year, it was kind of a mixed bag. I was like, hey, you know, I have illustration, I like graphic design, and I'm in the dance company. Um, so all of these things like uh, kind of melded into each other. And I was like, you know, I'll find a way. I need to find a way to have find a marriage between all these these art forms together and for myself maybe I'll, I'll find a a company in a certain place in in california which is mm -hmm. dope dancers um and i can probably work for those dancers right so then an opportunity in san diego and i was like this, this, <laughs> this is it. This is this. I nailed the jackpot. So yeah, that's 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 how everything started. Um, I'm not sure if that's that was too long, but I don't have no. like an easy answer for no, anything really. I wouldn't expect anything less. I wouldn't want anything less. And I think, like you said, I mean, getting both of those things, both of those passions, um, you know, graphic design and 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 dance and you being able to you know find a home and, and and make a really great community and being able to share both of those and you also do a lot of the graphic work for going ups <laughs> and that's like and even you actually helped me um for those that are listening and tuning into the podcast here with ken i mean you actually helped me early in quarantine when i was really trying to work backwards and say okay now that i know what I, i'm doing this year i need to think what i'm going to be what I'm working for in two years. And you actually mm -hmm. helped me write five really um, big goals, but instead of just writing them down on paper or putting them on my phone, like I normally do, I mean, you did it to a point where you designed it and I was able to post it and to share it and really hold myself accountable. And, and it's so wild how like, how art and design have such a powerful, but it really had an effect on me. And when I saw you do it, I remember reaching out to you after I was like, hey, 
I don't know what you're doing. I know you're going through your own stuff, but I need you to make time to make me that because whatever that was, I like it. I need that inspiration in my life. And that's just one of the many ways that you've also found your way to like touch me in a way that, that just helps me try to try to be the best me. And it's so wild that that's been harnessed and fostered through your graphic design abilities and also your dance abilities. And it's just like, I don't know, I'm just gushing right now because there's so many instances, these little moments that carry so much weight that you've done for me. And I just want to say thank you, like really. You're welcome. <laughs> I, I, thank you for, I, thank you for showing your face to me, honestly. <laughs> Thank you for giving me that death stare when I wasn't more, I wasn't actually expecting that. It's, it's so funny how things starting to see where we are now, similar to like you starting to those dance classes and being like, look where I'm now. Um, mm -hmm. I, I, I did want to, you know, touch on, on, on it too, Ken. I think just, you know, this, this journey that you've, that you've come on and all these things that you've experienced even just the things that you have to experience that a lot of people don't like myself and, and you're in completely immigrating here and, and getting the green card and, and that moment of uncertainty and going up and being an artist and going through all the adversities that come with being an artist. Um, and I would say like being like a double artist, you having like these talents in both, right? Um, what would you say to your 13 year old self? Mm. Mm. <laughs> mm. I think what 13 year old me was like, um, <laughs> mm. good question. I don't really thought about this, but um, um, mm. I feel like should backtrack a little bit and talk about what I meant about, I was talking to you about understanding your value. Um, and that's something I, I've, during the, the, these couple of really rough years for me, um, I've stuck with. Um, I would really tell myself to, uh, understand your value um, and your worth um, that hmm, in some time and some place, your value is going to be useful for a project or someone else so that you can use your value and turn it around and make it into a superpower of yours. Um, mm. As corny as that sounds. Um, yeah, I, I feel like understanding your own value and your worth is so much more important than um, trying to be successful in life. Um, yeah, um, and in some time or place, someone is going to be looking for that same value that you hold yourself with uh, and you take you places um, um, just by understanding your worth. 
yeah absolutely i i love that and um hope for those of you that are tuning in just understanding and knowing your worth is so simple but so complex and mm-hmm. we have a great we have a great living example of that here canada's yeah. journey and sharing everything and we're still figuring out though and that's the thing we're not finished products we're still still figuring out but right we're working processes Mm -hmm. even just scratching the surface is like a huge step for you know from years ago where we didn't even value ourselves and so i think that's that's great um ken where can we find your work um do you have a portfolio online somewhere maybe just some handles or some social media i know you share your work a lot maybe some things that people can find you that we can follow we can just you know see your amazing work i think it's super important is there any like links or maybe spaces you would like to share um, yeah sure um i post a lot of my artwork uh, more recently in my instagram it's at uncle kiman we can talk about that later in another podcast (laughs) but (laughs) uncle kiman at you, mm-hmm. Uncle K I M O N. And my website is kennyhuang.net. Yeah, those are my earlier works, but you can see more later work in Instagram. I love it. And we're going to definitely link all those things in all the descriptions and stuff so people can find you. So, again, you guys, you can find Ken on his Instagram handle that he just mentioned, and he has his site for all his works. And I'm, I'm assuming you still upload there. So there'll be like even maybe more up-to-date stuff or just it's kind of like where the archives are at for you? It's from my archives, but I feel like listening to having heard that, I feel like I need to update it now. Yeah, so <laughs> so I will update it and you will hold I will hold that accountable. So yeah. Yeah, yeah you're on you're on everyone that's listening is holding you accountable because they're gonna be on there like, hey, where's your blood? <laughs> These are old work. Than you right. <laughs> um, Ken, but just like everyone else, um, I just want to say thank you again so much for giving us your time. It's there's so much happening given our current climate. And so for you just to even have the time and the energy to give to us today means the world to me. And just know that there's definitely going to be a follow-up at some point. And so hopefully if you guys, you know, love Ken's story and we're going to get to dig into more once we get back for that second round. So stay tuned for that. Uh, we'll be in touch and I love you so much and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much. Thank you for Bye. having me. Bye. Love you. Bye.